Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with two guest hosts, uh, Valerie and Nayan. How are you doing today, both of you? Great. Thank you for asking. Awesome. So we thought we'd get the, the two of them together because in their stories, uh, one of the common topics was the concept of imposter syndrome, right? So it's one of the challenges that, well, I struggle with myself and I, I'm sure many of the folks out in the audience do as well. So we thought we'd uh, kind of demystify it a little bit, talk a little bit more about it and hopefully normalize it and, and maybe give a few tips and tricks in order to, to help out. So how does that yeah. sound to the both of you? Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. So we'll, we'll start off with with a few uh, definitions. So I pulled off from the Googles and it says it's the persistent inability to believe that one success is deserved or mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own effort or skills, right? right? And apparently there's five different types or I don't know, subtypes you might want to call it, mm-hmm. where you have kind of the, the perfectionist, where you have mm-hmm. to be uh, kind of the perfect, right? Uh, there's zero flaws. You can't make a mistake, that sort of thing. Uh, the natural genius, right? I know I identify most with this one where I was supposed to be smart and, and uh, anything else. Like if I wasn't naturally able to do it, I couldn't do it. Um, the individualist, sometimes the rugged individualist, right? Mm. So I have to do everything by myself. Anything mm. achieved with other yeah. folks, it's not worthwhile. Uh, the expert, it's kind of like the know-it-all. You have to know everything similar but different than the perfectionist. And then this the superhero, right? So this is the person who uh, basically does it all and without complaining, right? So they have the full-time job. They have the family that they're raising. They uh, also sit on the board of directors of a not-for-profit. And they have their own startup uh, business, that which they've, they've sold as uh, with a nice exit. And uh, they, like, walk uh, old ladies across the street. <laughs> That's where the ultimate voice goes. So those are uh, kind of the dictionary definitions. And I'd love if we chat a little bit about uh, experiences. So uh, maybe, Valerie, uh, since you kind of brought us t- together, I'd love if you kind of share a little bit about uh, kind of well, maybe what imposter syndrome means to you, and, and we'll kind of dive into that discussion. Thank you, Luki. I'm glad that I could bring us all together in the name of discussing <laughs> imposter syndrome. Uh, this is something that I, I personally um, have experienced and, uh, you know, often do feel myself experiencing. And I think many of our audience members do as well. So I'm glad that we can get together and talk about this really pertinent topic. And, mm-hmm. um, Thank you, Luki, for listing out those five different kind of archetypes. Um, I could identify and relate to many of them, um, including especially the perfectionist and individualist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, feeling the need to do everything myself, that uh, the world is on my shoulders. Um, I think that could be influenced by my upbringing, being the eldest daughter of a uh, refugee family, uh, mm-hmm. being the oldest <laughs> uh, sibling, and uh, feeling that, like, I need to take care of everyone and everything, right? And I have to do it perfectly as well. And if I can't do it perfectly, I get so down on myself, right? And often, sometimes don't give myself that grace, right? Right. That um, I, I could be giving that. And many other people have shown me, but I often don't give it to myself. I find myself yeah. being really hard on myself. 
And I'm wondering if you're willing to share maybe one of the, the earliest cases that you might have uh, experienced or that you recall, right? So you, you might not know exactly, but uh, where did uh, imposter syndrome first rear its ugly head <laughs> in your first life? First rear its ugly head? Um, probably very early on. I mean, sadly. Um, and, you know, I mentioned my upbringing earlier being from, you know, Asian Canadian, from a Vietnamese Canadian background. Um, you know, I think growing up, you know, coming from that kind of more conservative cultural background, there was that high expectation um, to achieve and do well. And I felt that from a very young age. So I feel like <laughs> imposter syndrome weird his ugly head very early on in life. Like <laughs> I'm talking early grade school, right? Mm. Talking like age six and under even. Uh, mm-hmm. Feeling the need to... Um, you know, be that good older sister, even though I was a kid, it's like kids looking after other kids and um, doing well in school. Mm -hmm. I think that was impressed upon me from that young age. Yeah, it can be a pretty trying time in kind of that cultural upbringing. Nayana, Mm -hmm. but yourself, when can you say uh, you you first experienced the the lovely uh, imposter syndrome? (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint it um, because in some sense, it's a learned behavior. And I think Valerie, okay. and then Valerie, I think you, you touched on it as well. It's it's kind of this notion of you are to be dependable, but you can't necessarily depend on others. Um, and and I think yeah. that's kind of the script that is that's kind of hardwired, uh, one way or another. Yeah. And when that begins, maybe at birth, who knows? Who knows right? Um, for me, I would say uh, I can't pinpoint exact date. You know, around when I was eight years old, I think that that's a, that's more when I remember. You know, distinctly that I, the, my sense of self was, uh, was quite significantly changed. Um, and I think a lot of that came from, like I said, an accumulation of, of messages, right? Um, and so, you know, in, in our family, it was big on, we were big on, you know, not bragging um, and trying to shy away from arrogance. And I think that's good in its own right, but I think then you can always take that too far. Where you know, my sisters and I actually have conversations about this to this day of, uh, you know, anytime something good happened to us, you know, of course we're thankful. And I think that that's important to have gratitude because, you know, you're rarely ever alone on your journey, but to also recognize your own role. And it was, we had a lot of the former, which is the, the gratitude and not a lot of the latter, which is, you know, taking, uh, taking ownership for your own successes. And so I think that, and, and I understand why my parents wanted to do that. They don't want brag arts. They don't want, <laughs> um, but at the same time, even now, you know, I'm, I'm talking to uh, a therapist who helped me a lot in the past. We were talking up, talking about these things again, and and he recognized that pattern. Like he says, you really struggle to compliment yourself, right? Um, mm-hmm. And in a in a professional setting, it's, it's the exact same thing. Like you don't constantly just say, "Oh, I'm great" or whatever, but believing that you have the capacity to do the job that you've done for a long time, or the fact that you have the capacity to learn mm-hmm. something that's outside of your current realm of knowledge. It, it comes down from the same script of, you know, am I capable? Um, if I am capable, well, am I really capable? Was it, was right. it my own doing or was it somebody else's doing? Right. Um, yeah. So I think I understand Valerie where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. I think for, from my experience, it was much later in, in life. Right. Well, and, yeah. and maybe that's because I, I referring to more of when I identify it as, Oh, this is definitely imposter syndrome. Maybe, uh, first reading the definition or someone talking about it. So it was right. probably later into my career, uh, well, probably earlier into my career where uh, I was 
uh, a, a consultant. I had a team around me and right. uh, I was using the technology for three months longer than they had. <laughs> and, and I was supposed to manage a team of like seven people. Right. right? right. So it's kind of like uh, reading the the manual beforehand and then running the workshop and then right, running right, off right. to the hotel room and doing it again to be a day ahead. And that's mm -hmm. when I first, I guess, was introduced to that concept. But I right. can recall that there were earlier moments where it's like, right. okay, that's definitely imposter syndrome. That's definitely imposter syndrome. That's definitely imposter syndrome. But right, at that right. point, I didn't really have an, a name for it. So um, yeah, I guess, I, I guess that's my experience. Yeah, it's anxiety. Yeah. It's kind of, as you said, feeling that you're not good enough. And, and I, I do uh, appreciate that, that concept of like not, not being grateful and, and all of the compliments of the achievements that you have, not being able to em embrace the good things that you've been able to do. I think yeah. that's a, a key element to, as, as well. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit, uh, both of you, and um, maybe Nayan first, on when did you feel that you could actually do something about it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so so right. you've kind of lived with it. It's been part of your upbringing, uh, maybe ingrained in, in your psyche. <laughs> the yeah. voices in your head are, are parroting imposter syndrome all day long. Right, and then right. you realize, okay, well, this is something I could do something about. Could do you recall a time when, when you recognize that? Yeah. I mean, uh, Valerie and I had talked about this um, a while ago where uh, it was when I, I think it was about 2019 um, when I was talking to a therapist to really kind of help me come to terms with myself and like, you know, I, mm -hmm. the idea of, of that, you know, the, of psychology that, that he practices is that essentially your mind is fragmented and not like in a bad way, but like there's different parts of, of, of a single individual. Um, and he helped me come to terms with the part of me that believed these, uh, I guess that, that had these principles and these fundamental beliefs that it was incapable or, um, you know, especially by that time in my career, um, because I had, by that point, I had been a project manager for almost six, seven years. And so, you know, as I continued and I was dealing with some, you know, a case of imposter syndrome where I was kind of struggling to get back into my field. And I'm thinking, was I, am I even valuable in this? Uh, he helped me come to terms with, with that knowledge of you've been doing this for six years. So why would you think that all of a sudden you're incapable? <laughs> right. There is a, a logical approach to, to imposter syndrome as well that, I think helps a lot where a lot of times the, the, the thing that you think you aren't able to do, you're already doing in some capacity. Um, mm. and, and, you know, as a career coach in project management, I actually talked to a lot of people about this. Uh, there's one individual in particular who he's an operations manager. He's doing it for many years and he was saying, I'm trying to get this job in project management. I had to apply for other jobs. I got an interview and at the interview stage, I bomb. Um, and he's like, I don't think that I, I can do project management. So I said, okay, well, break it down into individual skills. Have you done schedule management? Have you done scope management? Have you done, you know, scheduling? I think it's a scheduling. Uh, have you done budgeting? Um, <laughs> and and he said yes. So I said, no, what's what's holding you back? What is it that you think you can't do? And after we had the conversation, thankfully, he actually got a project management role. So it just shows you that. And in my own case, it's one of those things where it's easy to give some of that advice and hard to follow it yourself. And I think this therapist kind of helped me realize that. I've been doing it all along, like, but there's no reason for me to, at this point, at this stage, to think that I can't do it, right? <laughs> for sure. And I'm glad that your therapist was able to help you. And I'm reminded of the quote, uh, don't believe everything you think. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes those voices in your head, exactly. like, it was implanted by 
I don't know, uh, earlier childhood memory, mom and dad or, or older yeah. cousin, sibling, someone randomly, yes. which served you at some point in time, but yes. now may not have the same uh, effect. So, exactly. uh, Valerie, I'm wondering if, if, if you could share a little bit about uh, that moment or a moment where you felt that you could actually do something after understanding this, this imposter syndrome thing that we're talking about. Hmm. Um, thank you, Nahian, for sharing. Um, really grateful that, yes, Nahian and I have had many conversations about this, hence bringing this podcast together. <laughs> so as for a moment in time where I felt like, okay, something could actually be done, I would also say um, in the throes of therapy as well, uh, I think Nahian and I were both, um, you know, we've both been through it. Uh, we go we go through it, um, and by it, I mean therapy. I think having a professional to help you kind of deconstruct those thoughts and reframe those beliefs and right. give you more life-affirming beliefs as well, that has been really affirming and validating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, being able to spin right. imposter syndrome on its head from getting an outside perspective, someone who's trained and professional has been mm-hmm. really instrumental in taming the beast. Yes. Sounds good. Exactly. And can you share a moment where maybe you would have had imposter syndrome? It's like, oh, no, I see you coming. (laughs) So I'll uh, invite you to the table and bring you along for the ride or like avoid you altogether. Um, I don't know, Valerie, if you you have an instance that that you could share. Um, Sure. Well, I shared in our uh, first podcast recording about my adventure to South Korea. So that was a time where I think the pull of the inner pull of adventure and what lay ahead actually overrode the imposter syndrome. Um, because like truly I, in, in a sense, yeah, I could have pointed to myself like, yeah, you're an imposter. Like, who do you think you are going? Like I've never taught before. I didn't know the language. Um, but I had that really strong pull in the inner belief that helped kind of silence the, uh, that imposter syndrome inner critic. So I think having like mm-hmm. some greater vision for yourself that really is pulling you forward can really pull you through when the imposter syndrome, that inner nasty critic is rearing its head, right? It's still is going to be there, probably going to come along for the ride, but um, having that vision yeah. really help you move forward. Yeah, Very yeah well I think that's uh, definitely... Um, a good story. And for those that want to go back into the episode, you can listen to, to it in its entirety. But uh, um, it, it's definitely something where imposter syndrome uh, can be overcome by, well, let's say, sense of adventure or greater purpose or things like that. Uh, but sometimes uh, it, it's a little bit more challenging to deal with. And, right. and Nayan, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit uh, of a, a moment that you might have found where like, okay, here it is, and maybe you, you rode the wave of imposter syndrome and able to surf it instead of having it uh, overwhelm you. Yeah, honestly, I mean, this is kind of a cop out answer, but all the time. <laughs> and I and I think I, I think Valerie hit the nail on the head in that it it does take um, a lifetime of vigilance, and I do think that that mm. in itself is the lesson, right? That 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 voice of dissent or whatever you want to call it exists for a reason. And I don't think it's trying to be malicious. And that, I think that's what really the the therapist helped me come to terms with. And I think it's something that you can come to terms with yourself, you know, without necessarily getting therapists, depending on where, (laughs) where those doubts come from, of course. But um, yeah, it's, you know, anytime I'm given, for example, a big project, 
you know and the the first initial thought is oh can we do this and and the, this we is this you know this <laughs> it's a singularity but it's also a plurality of in my head of can we <laughs> can we do this and uh and yeah it's just a matter of yes we can because we've done it before right so it, it's it's a, just the process it's that that voice will always be there at least in my opinion and i'm okay with it it will always be there to protect me Right. And I think if I look at it as a protector, but then also say, okay, at this time, I don't need protection, but thank you. Then I'm able to right. move beyond that. Right. So, so yeah, yeah I, I mean, that, this happened recently. Where, if, if you want to really, <laughs> if you want more or something more temporal. <laughs> yeah. Like I was given a big project about two weeks ago. Um, and that same thought process occurred. And then I was able to move past it within, within minutes, as opposed to younger me would have taken probably days, weeks, years, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one thing for folks to recognize is, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't go away, right? Yeah. What uh, hopefully happens is you're able to manage it better, manage it quicker. Yes. To, as you said, that would have normally taken you days, if not longer to manage. Yeah. Uh, it, it was in the span of minutes that you were able to do. It. And I love what you say about having uh, it as a voice that exists for a reason, right? Yeah. It, it, it's there to keep you safe, to be your protector, right? right. So the as long as you can, well, first you want to recognize that the voice is even there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you want to accept. Yes. Right. And, and once you accept that, it, it, as, as Valerie mentioned, like it'll be there. Right. But it doesn't mean that it has to take over and yes. uh, kind of uh, disable you from being able to do things uh, in, in the future. It can actually be yes. a, a great indicator to say, hey, you know what? There's something not right here. We might want to address it in, in some right. shape or form. And and in addendum to that, if you don't mind, um, you know something Valerie and sure. I have spoken about before, especially if you look at a lot of you know motivational coaches or people, the LinkedIn scene is full of this of the way you impro- you approach a lack of confidence or imposter syndrome, which you know they come they come hand in hand. It, they, it's almost like the narrative is that this imposter voice is a dragon, like you have to slay the dragon. It's something that <laughs> you have to destroy, get rid of it, and. And again, I, I don't think that that's necessary. Um, and I, it comes it comes down to right. my teachings from my parents of it exists for a reason. I think that that the voice in, in me comes from you know a lifetime basically of of not necessarily giving myself credit uh, when I, I'm, I'm due credit, but also being very grateful for the multiple uh, factors that allow me to achieve some sort of goal to to achieve some sort of success. Um, you know that it. it that voice does exist for a reason. It's not just there to be slain or whatever. It's it's a friend, but it's a friend that's you know a friend that's giving yeah. you maybe uh, inappropriate advice for that specific scenario. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Where if you can bring that voice, that friend right. along with you on the journey, right? right? So it's it's a very well-meaning friend. And yes. as, as you said, it, what they're saying at the moment might be inappropriate and not helpful. Yes. Uh, but at the end of the day, like they are part of you. They are in some shape or form trying to keep you safe. Yeah. And uh, it, it is definitely something that uh, people need to, yeah. to uh, acknowledge yes. and then uh, continue the journey with. So, and uh, it also balances the narrative. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I'm wondering if, if, if both of you could share some of your strategies, your tips to to help deal with it. So so mm-hmm. let's say someone's in, in the throes of, of uh, a full bout of imposter syndrome or, or maybe even before that, like before we get into the depths of it, like um, what are some of like 
the, the warning signs? What are some of the things to, to look out for to know, oh, okay, here it's, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Um, Nayan or, or, or Valerie, which one? Or Nayan, I, I guess, for, for yourself. Uh, right. What were some of the, the strategies you, you would have to, in order to first uh, recognize it? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, something we talked about earlier was it, it's essentially anxiety, right? You mm-hmm. when when you you'll know it. You'll you'll have this sensation, or maybe it's like an actual narrative in your head saying, "Can I do this? Can I like that?" That's right. the foundational question: Can I do this? And I mean, the answer to that question is always like, "What makes you think you can't?" <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so so getting past that, and and the, that question has so many layers to it, right? And and that's why I think when Valerie and I you know, when we talked about it, it getting therapeutic help was, I don't know, it maybe may have been necessary, may not have been necessary, but I think it definitely opened our eyes to that fundamental question. Um, but it's a question that anybody can ask themselves as to what makes you think you can't do it? it and what evidence do you have otherwise? And, and so, you know, something I, I when Valerie <laughs> and I were talking about this, something I mentioned is essentially what I do now is I build a legal case against my own brain. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, of like, okay, you, you, you know, it. The default state is thinking, oh, I'm not capable. Well, here's kind of my resume. Here's here's what I've accomplished, right? Um, despite that that voice being there, so I am capable, right? So it's just, I think that's the the at least one of the first steps is, you know, you want to look at the little victories and not the larger battle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually really related to another. Uh, therapy that's administered called um, self, self-efficacy self training. So essentially, you get somebody okay. to do small tasks that they are able to achieve, and then they feel more and more confident to tackle larger tasks. It's something anybody can do. You know, make your bed, make your breakfast, that's a that's a victory. <laughs> you know, right. you, took care, you took care of yourself for the day, that's a victory, right? That's amazing. Yeah. So it seems like they're, uh, well, you're a part-time lawyer, <laughs> I guess it, compared to In your own head, for sure. Yeah. Right. And um, I'm, I'm curious as, because as both of you went through the, the therapeutic route, like, right. um, I, I mean, is that uh, a requirement for, for folks or, or it's just highly recommended? Because obviously, uh, talking to yourself, right. you can do that. But right. as I think both of you alluded to, having some professional help would, would be would be useful. So, right. Um, maybe having that external party helping you recognize some of these anxieties um, would be helpful. But right. I mean, if, if you want on yourself, on your own, to just reflect back and say like, can you recall a time when mm-hmm. any of these thoughts that we mentioned were in your head? And then mm-hmm. seeing how you can build a legal case against it <laughs> right, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and, and, and adapt uh, that and, and maybe build some of this kind of self-efficacy training in order to uh, counteract yes. what uh, that that the I guess the prosecutor <laughs> yes uh, would be arguing in, in that particular case um, right uh, Valerie I'm wondering if you could share some some of the helpful tips and tricks and strategies that that uh, you've come across that would, would help folks in their in the in their bout to accept imposter syndrome sure thank you Nahin for sharing that I really like what you shared about building a legal case against the imposter. Um, So I think one way to counteract that is to um, look at previous examples of wins that demonstrate that actually you are qualified to do what you're doing, right? And that could be like accomplishments that you've had major wins. Um, 
what I've told uh, clients before uh, is to create a brag book. Actually, I need one of these myself. Create a brag book, um, especially when you're feeling kind of down and crappy and maybe not feeling so great about yourself. Maybe the imposter syndrome is uh, really getting to you and telling you that you're not capable or causing a lot of self-doubt. I think it's really positive to look at those examples of um, previous wins that you've had and even, you know, the really kind, amazing things that people have shared with you before um, to help you remember, okay, yeah, well, I ain't so bad after all, right? And I think a daily um, activity that um, can help with that self-efficacy training is, um, like Yah had mentioned, you know, taking note of those little victories. So it could be like making your bed, making breakfast, even just like caring for yourself, adulting. <laughs> adulting can be really tough, right? <laughs> Um, right. So even if you were able to do those little things for yourself, like that's a win that shows that you are doing actually pretty well and mm-hmm. making it into a daily habit. Maybe some people like having a gratitude journal, uh, maybe in addition to writing down what you're grateful for, also writing down your wins right. for the day, as well as what you appreciate about yourself as well. I mm-hmm. think that's one of the hardest things to do, especially when mm-hmm. uh, we do allow that those inner gremlins to take over, right? <laughs> is to um, show ourselves or tell ourselves, you know, actually, you know, I I appreciate this and that about myself. I appreciate that I'm resilient, that I, you know, I don't give up, that I'm really helpful. I really enjoy what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at it, right? So start to affirm yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that helps build a case against the imposter. Yeah, and, and if I may add That's to that awesome. a little and, bit, um, we, we spoke about this yeah, before, Valerie, about self-compassion, and that's essentially what what mm. you know a summary of what we both shared, right? Is the, the advice that a lot of us are able to give others is it's difficult for us to follow ourselves. But if you had a friend saying, "I don't right. think I can do this," are you going to say, "No, I don't think you can do this"? <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on what it is. <laughs> but if your know, friend says, "I I feel overwhelmed," or you know, I, "I just got this new job," I don't know if I have the capacity to to meet expectations. I mean, I hope you're the type of friend to say, I know, I believe you can do this. This is why this is, you know, so if you, and it's really difficult to do and, and I, I can appreciate that. And this is, you know, going back to yeah. the question of, can you do this with therapy or not? You know, I do, I do think it's possible, but uh, <laughs> what I appreciate about my therapist is that he helps me um, get to those conclusions. Uh, he helps, yeah, he helps me because I struggle to sometimes be self-compassionate. think, oh, I can, everybody else can do this. I can't. He says, well, what, why not? <laughs> why can't you treat yourself the way you would yeah. treat another, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, I just wanted to add that to Valerie's point. No, I think that, that those are all great pieces of uh, advice. So uh, I, I love what you mentioned about the brag book. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a conversation with someone about that. And they said, well, based on my cultural upbringing, you can't brag. So, so they yes. actually said, like, rebrand it as a fact book yes. because it's not a brag yes. if, if it's true and exactly. it happened, <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, fine. I guess that, that makes sense. But the whole point is to acknowledge all the things that you have accomplished and uh, something that you can look back to. Yeah. Um, when you are kind of feeling down because you've accomplished more than you give yourself credit for. Yeah. Sometimes it's the little wins. Sometimes there, there are bigger ones that add up over time. Right. Um, and, and I love what you said about having that, that therapist or maybe just a very uh, a friend with a very good compassion ear <laughs> that can listen. And oftentimes calling you out on, on things like, well, why would you treat yourself 
like that because yes. most people wouldn't treat like their worst enemy <laughs> as they treat themselves, right? Yes. So self-compassion is such an amazing skill. And, and I wish uh, they cultivated that in school. There should be a course <laughs> on self-compassion <laughs> that everyone takes. 100%. And uh, I like also about the, the therapist where what I took from that is oftentimes they'll help you with your blind spots, right? So yeah. sometimes you you take what you think as fact, but you realize, well, no, is that true? Do you, do you yeah. actually believe that? Yeah. Um, there is a, an author or uh, Byron Katie where she has a concept which she calls the work, right. which is a version of like uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, right. where she asks like four simple questions like, is it true? Right. Uh, is do you 100% know it's true? Yeah. Um, and uh, third one is is something like how does it feel in your body uh, as you feel that thought? And the fourth one is who would you be without that thought? Right, right? right. And and I think that one is the key where if you can change that perspective right. of who you would be without, I think can can be super helpful. So I think that's a uh, a lot of good guidance. And uh, for those that are thinking of or getting some help or dealing more with imposter syndrome. Are there any resources out there that you might suggest folks to, to listen to other than uh, both of your previous podcasts or all the other workshops that both of you run? <laughs> um, Valerie, if you want to start. <laughs> well, I was thinking of a resource that uh, Nyahan is um, involved with, but I don't want to speak for him if you wanted oh. to talk about that. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about the book I'm working on? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, I don't know if this is like a shameless self-plug, but hopefully once that that comes out, that might be a resource. Um, but yeah, Valerie also recommended a lot of great resources to me as well. Um, for example, if I may share, Valerie, uh, the, the, the therapy that we referred to earlier, it's called um, inter internal family systems. And so the person who uh, pretty much created it, I think his name, what was, his name was Richard Schwartz, I believe. Um, and so he has a book on, on IFS or internal family systems. And I, I do recommend everyone give that, give that a read, even if it sounds a little bit hocus pokey, <laughs> hocus pocus or like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know kind of like snake oil. I, I think there's a ring, at least for me, there's a ring of truth to it that, you know, there's and then everybody everybody deals with it. There's that voice that tells you, "Oh, I can do this." Otherwise, especially in a in a professional setting, why would you apply for that job? For example, if you don't think you could do this, then there's the other part of you that says, "Well, you can't do it." Now that you've had the job, how can you have both? Right. So I I, I see it as you know maybe there are parts, and in talking to the parts, whether or not you exist, believe they exist, you do learn self compassion. So, uh, reading up on internal family, internal family systems, I think that would be my recommendation, um, specifically from the person who created it. So. That's amazing. And, yeah. and Valerie, do you want to share a, a different one? Because it seems like you're cross-pollinating <laughs> each other's resources. <laughs> hmm. Um, trying to think. I remember when I was in my 20s, I read this book by Fabian Fredrickson called Embracing Your Magnificence. And it had a really strong impact on me. Uh, I think I wrote it twice, read okay. it twice. And I wrote in the margins and I underlined. And, um, you know, it, it's about embracing your true unique strengths and talents. And I think we are able to shift our focus to that. That helps kind of quiet the imposter syndrome a lot more. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And um, yeah, so, so I mentioned the work and obviously therapy right. can be very helpful. And, and again, having a friend with a, a, a compassionate ear right. and your own self-compassionate ear might be helpful as well. So yeah. uh, just to kind of summarize some of the things that, that we talked about, uh, I think it starts off with really just, just recognizing that uh, you, you may or may not have it, right? right. So having that, that friend, the therapist or whatever to kind of help you mm-hmm. uh, that quote that we said that don't believe everything you think, right? Uh, because it might be from your cultural upbringing, family, those around you, mm-hmm. or, or something else that happened. Right. Um, and then once you recognize that it's there, you want to uh, accept. And basically, you, you don't want to slay the dragon, right. as you said, Nat. Yeah. You want to befriend the dragon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's a, a partner. They're a protector. They're here to keep you safe, right? right? So, when you recognize that, um, then ideally, you, you start uh, affirming, right? So, whether it's a brag book, a fact book, or whatever you want to talk, talk about that, um, then showing that, that you have done a lot more than you, you think. Um, and then I guess as a preventative measure, there's probably a whole bunch of uh, different uh, inoculations you can have, like your, your own uh, imposter syndrome vaccine, <laughs> if you want to create it. But some of right. these resources, like embracing your magnificence, mm-hmm. uh, t- taking a look at the IFS, the internal family systems as, as well. Right. And um, yeah, there's probably a bunch of other ones. One tactic that, that I'll share is uh, to kind of pre-program yourself. Right. Really just take a sheet of paper on the left side, write all those cases of imposter syndrome, why you're not good enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. And on the right side, well, what do you want to think instead? Right. right? What's going to help you? Um, a very, very simple um, exercise uh, could be helpful as well. So right. that's a, a couple of things that, that I wanted to, to share in terms of uh, what I took from the discussion. Uh, if, if we, each of you could share some kind of parting words or thoughts in terms of like imposter syndrome uh, for folks that are struggling with it, maybe what to do with it, resources or anything, like what would be your, your parting words uh, for this discussion on imposter syndrome? Uh, Nayan, maybe sure. we'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the conversation you have with yourself about imposter syndrome doesn't need to wait for a therapist. I think that a therapist can help mm-hmm. uncover some of the factors that may you know, augment it. But ultimately, because the question always becomes why, like, why do I feel this way, right? And, and sometimes that's a very deep question. Right. But I think that at the very least for the surface level issues you may be dealing with when it comes to imposter syndrome, um, you can have that conversation now of, you know, when you, when you apply for a job, especially you build a resume. What is a resume if not kind of like your brag list, right? <laughs> it's, sure. it's a, yeah. So, you know, you have these tools and you, you've already recognized at some point in your life, you already recognize your capacity. Just, you know, just keep it up. Um, and, and something that I, I tell clients to do, especially in, in those who are trying to get a project management job, I told them to write down all the products they've managed and their key qualities and, and uh, responsibilities as a reference sheet. So when they do an interview, they have these, uh, not only do they have these projects listed as examples, but it's also examples of their own successes. So it's kind of a confidence boost. So I think something else I'd like to part everyone with is that if you are, you know, if you worry about imposter syndrome and you worry about self-sabotage in, in an interview, then you can also have the reference sheet. It doesn't need to be just for projects. Just if you know what, role you're applying for, have examples of where you fulfill the different responsibilities within that role and go into this interview with that confidence that I have done it before. Right. So. That's awesome. And, and Valerie, what would you like to add? I really like that idea that Nahid shared about having the reference sheet, kind of like a cheat sheet, uh, which right. can also be used as like the case against the 
imposter. Uh, but I like exactly. I like visual things as well. So having like sheets or even something you could scribble by hand. I'm a journaler. I like to write. I really like to create mind maps as well. And I like to do that with my clients mm-hmm. to help them discover, know who they are, what their personal brand is um, as they are looking for work. So I'm thinking maybe even make a mind map about yourself, right? And write your name in the middle and then draw little webs about who you are. So maybe your um, different experiences that you've had, your key qualities, your key traits, uh, what makes you really unique. And I think working with a coach as well, like can really help with that. Um, and I, I love doing it with my clients because right. I'll ask them and I'll, I'll create the chart for them. Right. And then that helps us build a strong right. uh, personal brand, which also can be a case against the imposter syndrome and can really help when you're moving through the job search process and as you're building your career. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of a, a, a subtext to a lot of the, recommendations you provided is uh, kind of focused on on, on gratitude mm-hmm. and, and being thankful, compassionate mm-hmm. are, are kind of similar uh, concepts where if you're grateful for all the things that you have done, um, and, and I think you mentioned journaling, that there's a, a journaling technique called a rose journal where uh, it's a rose gratitude where it, rose is an acronym. So R uh, is relationship. Like someone that you're connected with that you're thankful for, usually mom and dad, friends, family, something like that. O is an opportunity, like something that you're going to be able to do in the future. S is something simple. Like I remember someone said, I'm thankful for my thumb (laughs) because if I didn't have a thumb, things would be very difficult. And then E is an experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's almost the opposite of the uh, opportunity, opportunities in the future, experiences the past. So what have you done that, that you're thankful to be able to do? And for little things every day, ideally, when you experience that, actually feel the, the gratitude for each of those instead of just writing it down. And that will really help because oftentimes that, that gratitude, that compassion can be a very effective antidote for uh, that lovely imposter syndrome out there. Right. But keep in mind that for most of us, we will live with it. And if you can learn to befriend it, I think that would be uh, the, the best path forward. So, uh, well, th- thanks so much, uh, Valerie and Nayan, for, for joining us for a conversation yeah. on imposter syndrome. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Thank you. My pleasure. And um, great talking to you again, Valerie. And <laughs> thank you for Likewise. the opportunity to talk thank about you. this topic. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Luki. Thanks both. Take care. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.